Hey, guys. Hey, if you have ever felt like life has left you behind, today's for you. Today's for you. Um, well, I, like uh, many boys in my generation at that time, uh, dreamt of one day growing up to be a professional baseball player. And I started playing baseball at a young age. I was like four years old. I was running the wrong way around the base path. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And um, I started pitching at a young age. My dad actually took one of those big old uh, wash bins that you, you like wash the dog in outside and he hung it on our chain link fence. And I would just spend hours out there just working on my form, working on accuracy, working on my pitching. And I went to the camps. I, I watched the games. I followed the players. I played the all-stars. I had all the baseball cards. I was that kid. And when I got to high school, quickly got on varsity. And between sophomore year and junior year in high school, uh, we were playing summer ball. And I had one of those games where I was like just on. You know what I'm talking about. If you play sports, you know what I, like there's just those days, whatever it is, it, it all comes together and you can do no wrong. And so I'm pitching, I'm sitting just one guy down after another. It is perfect. We go into extra innings. Um, um, and my dad, I actually see my dad come over to the fence and talk to the coach. And he asked to, the coach to pull me because my pitch count was getting so high. The coach came over, talked to me. I was like, I'm not coming out. This is the best game of my life. And, and then that night, I couldn't sleep because it was like this dagger in my shoulder. And little did I know, I had just completely jacked my rotator cuff up. It was, it was so um, I, I actually went to a baseball camp at University of Georgia the next week, and I couldn't even get the ball to the guy that I was trying to warm up with, like 30 feet in front of me. Was, my arm was shredded. It was just, it was done. And so going into my junior year, I was still kind of like officially on the baseball team, but I, I was demotivated. I was a little depressed. I was doing a bunch of other stuff too. But about halfway through the season, I was like, all right, I'm gonna get back on the team. So I went and talked to the coach and the coach was frustrated that I hadn't been fully engaged. And so he went and talked to the team and then he called a team meeting where I walked in and stood there as one by one, they voted me off the team. And it was no, 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 yes, no, yes, no, no. And it was there that my little four-year-old boy dream died. And I remember, I still remember this. I mean, so many years later, I remember as a teenager walking out of the locker room, like by myself, like my whole life has been pointed at that. And now that door is closed. Like, where do, where do I go from here? Because I wasn't chosen. Like, I don't know about you guys. Am I in the right room? Has it ever felt like you weren't chosen? Like you were overlooked, like life passed you by? Here, I, here's the deal. I don't know your story, but I do know a common human experience is that life doesn't always pan out the way that you thought it would. Right, like maybe you didn't get the job, maybe you didn't get the promotion, maybe you were fired, maybe you started the business instead of it launching, it fizzled. Maybe they broke up with you, maybe they divorced you, maybe you've been the bridesmaid so many times <laughs> that you could hold a master's class on it, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I don't know, maybe, maybe you messed it all up. Maybe you sinned. Maybe your addiction crashed and burned. Maybe you lost your temper. Maybe you flew off the end. I don't know. Maybe God closed the door on you and that dream died. If you're in the boat, I've got good news today. 
because it ain't over till God says it's over. Oh, if you're eight, 18, or 80, as long as you still got breath in your lungs, you still got potential in your life. In fact, my, my definition of potential is this. It's the sum of who you are, what you can do, and what God can do through you that you haven't done yet. Everybody say yet. yet. Come on, one more time, yet. yet. You got a yet still in you. Come on, God put good, if you, need, if you need the reminder today, God put good stuff on the inside of you. You are made in the image of God. You have the Imago Dei on you. God put his greatness on the inside of you and it's time to let that out. Come on, even when life slams the door on you, it's not over yet. Even when you've been overlooked, it's not over yet. Even when man passed you by, it's not over yet. Even if God says it's not time, it's not over yet. There's still potential on the inside of you. There's still more in you and in front of you to come. And, and, and there's, a, there's a seldom talked about passage at the end of Acts chapter one that I believe is gonna kind of breathe some encouragement on us today. Uh, if you missed the memo last week, uh, we said that we're spending a lot of time this year in the book of Acts. Why? Because the book of Acts is about action. That's why it's called that. You're like, oh, I never knew that before. Yes. It's about movement. And here was kind of the, one of the ideas from last week. What we said is the church isn't a place for sitting. It's a people who are moving, right? Church is about being about the movement of God. And what is the movement of God? The movement of God is for us to be witnesses of the present rule and reign of Jesus Christ as king of the earth. That's our job to be a part of that movement. It's a movement gathered around a mission and our mission is to be witnesses. Come on, that we are gathered for worship and then sent to witness. Some of you are like, I, I, no, this is the highest expression of what I do. No, 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 no. Church is awesome, all right? But we are gathered to worship and then sent to witness. It's first commandment, second commandment, first commandment, second commandment. We're gathered to worship today to be sent to witness. We are a sent people. We're a sent people. And last week, at the beginning of the book of Acts uh, chapter one, what we saw is that Jesus rises from the grave. He, he, right before he ascends into heaven, he says, hey guys, I commission you to be my witnesses. Uh, but before you do that, in fact, you're not gonna be able to do anything until you get the Holy Spirit. So go back into Jerusalem and wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And he does that in Acts 2. But while they go back and they wait, at the end of Acts chapter 1, they decide to take care of some really important business. And here's where we catch up today. Verse 15. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. In other words, um, uh, King David wrote in the Psalms, he prophesied about Judas in the Psalms. It's in the Psalms. Uh, Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And I don't think we think about this uh, often enough, is that Jesus knew that Judas was gonna betray him, but the disciples didn't. And so they felt a certain way about it. Like this guy was our friend. This guy was our confidant. This guy walked with us. And then he stabbed us in the back. And Peter's here processing that pain. The disciples are processing that pain. But in addition to processing that pain, now they have an additional problem. Now there's only 11 apostles. And there's gotta be 12. 
Now, why does there have to be 12? Why did Jesus pick 12 to begin with? Because there are 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, that's the idea. And, and Jesus basically symbolically picked one disciple from every tribe. Why? Because it's important in all ways to show that the gospel's for everybody. It's not just for a little group over here and these people are left out. So there have to be 12. It has to be symbolic. That Listen, the good news of Jesus Christ is for you and you and you and you and your friend and your neighbor and those people over there. It's for everybody. So now they have to undertake the process of choosing somebody to take Judas's place. Verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose, pay attention, one of the men who've been with us this whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Um, in case you didn't know, Jesus rolled with the posse, right? You're like, I just thought there were 12 guys. No, 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 no. There, were, there was the core three, uh, James, John, and Peter. Then there was the larger 12. And then there was everybody else. Right there, you know, uh, just a few verses ago, it says 120. Like there, there's a group of people who've been following Jesus almost since the very beginning, right? And so what they say is, in order to take Judas's place, we have to find one of the guys who's been with us since day one. This is one of the guys who saw the miracles, who saw the demons flee, Come on, who saw oppressed people being set free. Uh, they held the baskets when Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. Come on, they were at the Sermon on the Mount. They saw Jesus die on the cross and then they saw him after the resurrection. We have to find one of those men to be a witness with us. It can't be hearsay. They can't have heard it from somebody else. They have to have seen it with their own eyes. So verse 23. So they nominated two of those men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Now pause. I don't know if you read the Bible like me, but this is already funny. It's already funny to me, okay? Because it's not looking good for Joseph, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, 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 uh, you remember Matthias, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's one of the apostles, yeah. Well, okay, so here's how it went. All right, uh, Matthias and Barsabbas were nominated. Who? Oh, Barsabbas. You know Barsabbas. No, I don't know Barsabbas. No, Joseph Barsabbas. Bro, I don't know Joe. No, 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 no. Remember some of the guys just called him Justice? Oh, yeah, that guy. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. Yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Well, here's what happened to him. Okay, verse 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Peter's a little salty. <laughs> then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So God chose 12 to begin with, and then he chose the 12th to step back into this place. And casting lots, in case you didn't know, casting lots was like an Old Testament form of discerning God's will, all right? So in essence, what they would do, you see this a number of times throughout the Old Testament, is they would, they would they, I know it seems totally unspiritual, they would take a rock and they'd write Matthias on one, and take another rock, right, Barsabbas on the other one, put it in a jar, shake it, and whichever one fell out, that's the one that God picked. I know how it feels. I know how it seems. But, but that was actually, uh, over and over again, that was proved to be God's way of, of showing and revealing what his choice was. And if, you, if you're curious, we don't do that at our, at our victory staff meetings. Uh, and you're like, well, what's the difference? The difference is the next verse is Acts chapter two, where the Holy Spirit is given to God's people. 
So therefore, the, the voice of the Lord is no longer out there. Now God resides on the inside of us. And so now we can actually have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. And the Holy Spirit has come to abide with us and in us is our comforter, our guide, and our counselor. So God speaks to us today. And in the midst of that, God chose Matthias over Barsabbas. And, and when I first read this, man, I felt a certain way. Because I was like, oh my God, what a burn. Like, I feel bad for Barsabbas. You know what I'm saying? Like, what a, can we just pour one out for Barsabbas for a second? Like, what rejection? What? Oh, like you're there in front of everybody. And they're like, nah, Matthias, not you. But then I noticed something in the story and we just read it. And it's incredibly important for us to understand what's happening right here. Let's read it again, verse 21 and 22. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who've been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism. Okay, they were looking for somebody who had been with them since, since Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Here's a question for all the Bible scholars in the room. When did Jesus pick his 12 disciples? After his baptism. Okay, lean in. Here's what this means. Matthias and Barsabbas were there when Jesus first chose the 12. But Jesus didn't pick them. Both Matthias and Barsabbas have already been overlooked. Both Matthias and Barsabbas already watched somebody else get the promotion. You want to know who got the promotion? Judas. Like, Jesus, did you miss that one up? Like, what? <laughs> they watched somebody who felt unworthy get the promotion ahead of them. They've been passed over. The dream has died for both Matthias and Barsabbas. Listen, Jesus picked the kickball team, and he didn't pick them. How many of y'all are still scarred from elementary? <laughs> Being like the last one, or you just weren't picked. Imagine Jesus not picking you. <laughs> Come on. Like he already says there's 120, there's, there's dozens, right? You're all lined up. And Jesus is like, you, you, not you, you, you. Come on, you ever, you're like you're out in the lobby and you see somebody waving, you're like, hi. And they're like, no, not you, the guy behind you. And you're like, when people don't pick you, God didn't pick you. God picked somebody else. And then for three years, they followed Jesus from a distance in the outer circle. But listen, listen, listen. This is so crucial for us today. But here's the difference. When it came time to choose again, one of them was ready and one of them wasn't. And here's a critical thing that I've learned over the years, guys. You can tell a whole lot about somebody when life doesn't go their way. You can tell a whole lot about somebody when something doesn't go their way. Because here's what happens. In that moment of disappointment, some people pull back and some people press in. In the midst of disappointment, some people pull the victim card, pull out a violin and just die in the mud. Woe is me. And other people say, 
that stung, but I'm going to keep on moving forward. And listen, I believe Barsabbas thought that his story was over, that his chance had passed, the dream had died. But Matthias said, I believe that God has put some potential on the inside of me. I believe that my story's not over yet. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know where God's gonna take me. It may not even be for the same thing it was before. That dream may have died. But whatever God has for me in the future, I'll be ready when it comes time to choose again. So here's the question today. Here's the question. I know it hasn't all worked out the way that we thought that it would. But how do I prepare myself to be ready when the next opportunity arises? How do I, can I say it like this? How do I take my potential and put it on the launch pad so that when God opens up the door the next time, I'm ready? Like Matthias can we say it like this? Like Matthias, how can I be ready when God calls my name? How can I be ready when God calls my name? Here's the first truth for us. We have to guard our potential. We have to guard our potential. Listen, this may be news to you. The devil hates you. He hates you. And what he wants to do, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy the plan, the purpose, and the potential of God before it even starts. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. The devil would rather crush the egg than have to mess with the chicken. And way too many of y'all, we've allowed God to, I mean, we've allowed the enemy to crush our potential. And it never actually even began to bloom and began to grow. Think about it like this. The enemy tried to kill Moses as a baby so he couldn't grow up and deliver God's people from slavery. The enemy tried to kill Jesus as a baby so he couldn't grow up and deliver the world. And if the enemy couldn't kill you in the womb through abortion, then he's trying to steal your future by polluting your potential today. And what we have to do, fam, we have to guard our potential from pollution. Because here's what happens. I know it. I felt it myself. I've seen it a thousand times. Is that you get passed over for the promotion. They, they, they divorce you. It feels like the dream has died. Whatever it is. And we start feeling sorry for ourselves. And then we feel justified to take our foot off the gas pedal. And then the enemy comes in. And the enemy loves fishing in troubled waters. And he comes in and he wants you to start feeling self-pity so that you'll self-medicate. And you find yourself saying, well, the dream's died. It's just a little bit of porn to ease the pain. I didn't get the promotion. Come on, it's just a few more glasses of wine to drown my sorrows. Come on, they gave the job to somebody else. So therefore, I'll be on the clock, but I'll work on my side gig. I'll come in late, I'll leave early, I'll live on social media. And we don't realize this, guys, is that what you do in the dark can disqualify you in the light. And here's our question. Have you been faithful in private so God can reward you in public? And way too many people, I hear this, they say like, well, well I'll change when I get the promotion. I'll change when I get married. I'll change when I get the microphone. One, no, you won't. No, you won't. You will not. Come on, okay, anybody, okay, let's say it like this. Anybody been married? 
Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, past tense. And you got married thinking you could change that person? They would, they would change when you got married? Listen, when you get married, you lose all motivation to change. <laughs> the, the little bit of change you see is they're just trying to get you to marry them. Right? They ain't going to change when you get married. Give me the microphone and I'll change. No, you won't. You'll never get the microphone unless you change. You got to guard it. You got to guard what God put on the inside of you. And listen, 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 listen. Could it be that God is protecting you and protecting others from you until you get your character consistent and you guard the potential of what God put on the inside of your life? It could be God's greatest grace on you that he hasn't answered your prayer yet because you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. Listen, we read it a second ago, Acts 1:24. Then they prayed and they said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. This was a heart decision, guys. This peaking came down to the heart. What, what, what do we say? Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. And so what the disciples did, they got two guys, Matthias and Barsabbas, and they both looked good on the outside, but God saw the heart and God chose Matthias. And I'd say it like this, guys. God is fanatically committed to what's going on in your heart. God's fanatically committed to what's going on inside your heart. And could the reason be why you haven't been promoted, why you haven't felt the release to go do that thing, why you haven't gotten married, why that job did fail, is because God's actually giving you grace in the season to get your heart right. So that when you step into the next season of life, sin doesn't sabotage your success. And listen, we see it happening most blatantly in churches right now. There's way too many people who have been promoted beyond where their character can keep them. And therefore, since they didn't guard the potential and grow their character in the dark, they're now being exposed in the light. And let me just say it like this, guys. The future ahead of you is worth you saying no to the sin in front of you. The future ahead of you is worth you saying no to. This is the trap of Esau. Esau sold his future for a bowl of soup. And of course, when you look at it, you're like, you idiot. Okay, okay, can I just, by grace? Okay, I think sometimes the angels look at us and they're like, you idiot. You're selling your future for a bowl of soup. And it's never a bowl of soup, but what's your bowl of soup? Is it that girl? Is it the guy? Is it pride? Is it lust? Is it alcoholism? Is it the pills? Is it money? I don't know what it is. What's your bowl of soup that you're selling your future for? And I'm just here to promise you this, guys. The, the future that God has ahead of you is greater and more brilliant and more satisfying than the sin that sits right in front of you today. And if we will be a people who are dedicated to guard the potential of what God has put on the inside of us, then the next time an opportunity arises, God will call our name. So how, how can I be ready when God calls my name? I gotta guard my potential. Here's the second thing. I gotta grow my potential. I gotta grow my potential. I've seen way too many people, when the dream dies, they just lay down and die with it. And, and I can't help but thinking that maybe when the door closed the first time, Barsabbas started coasting and, and Matthias kept growing. Now I'm gonna ask you a question and it's gonna hurt, but just go with it. What if... Five years ago, you had started taking your growth seriously. 
where would you be today? Now, the best time to start was back then. The second best time to start is today. So listen, if you got fired, keep growing, keep growing. If they divorced you, keep growing. Don't just die in that place, keep growing. Listen, if you're single and wanna get married, ask this question, would I wanna marry me? Just go home today, look in the mirror for a minute. I mean, like all that. And you walking around like you're God's gift to everybody. Would you want your stinky attitude? Would you want your baggage? Would you want all that? Okay, everybody's so consumed with finding the one. How about we become the one worth finding? Right? How do we keep growing? How do we keep growing? All right? Listen, if you feel the Lord might be calling you into ministry, here's an idea. Read your Bible. I know nobody will give me the platform. Nobody will give, of course we won't. You, got, no, you don't got nothing to say. Oh, you know the Lord. I, just want a, I want a position. I want to be a pastor. Okay, you would ruin people if you were a pastor. You would destroy people. You'd show up on TMZ if you were a pastor. How do I keep growing? This is the question. This is the question. God, how can I take the seed of potential that you put on the inside of me and how do I water it and how do I fertilize it so that you can cause the growth? I can't grow myself, but I can put myself in positions to grow. I can pursue growth and it's God who grows us. And I don't know about your story, but that's, that's really my story, right? Like, like the baseball dream died. God closed all the college doors. I ended up at UGA. I got a geography degree. And uh, I started making crime maps under a Department of Justice funded grant over at Kennesaw State University. And um, uh, we did that for a few years and then we lost our funding and I found myself in the unemployment line. And if you've ever been in that line, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not like, yes, high five, we're awesome, we're in this together. No, like everybody's depressed in that line. Um, but a little bit more funding came in and I was the only one they brought back. Why? Because even if you hate your job, work it as unto the Lord. Work it as unto the Lord. And God will open up doors <laughs> that are impossible. Like we got fired because the whole thing shut down. Then it opened back up and they, I was the only one they brought back. And so I eked along until 2005 when I was hired on as the young adult pastor here at Victory. Why? How did that happen? Because I was growing behind the scenes. So Summer and I, we started attending in 98, got married in 2001, moved down from Athens, immediately jumped into young adults. About six months later, being in a small group, I, we took the first step to be in a small group. Six months into that, the leaders pulled us aside and said, hey, uh, they had a, what we call an ICNU conversation. ICNU, the ability to actually one day lead a group. So we wanna ask you to help to lead this group. And we were like, we have no clue what we're doing. Why in the world would you ever add? No, they're like, we see this in you. So we're like, all right, we'll say yes. And so we said yes, and we were completely unqualified. So we decided to start growing ourselves. And so six months into that, we ended up leading our own small group. And so we're like, oh my God, now all the weight's on us. And so we really got to start developing ourselves. Six months into that, all of our friends left victory. Literally every single friend at one movement left victory. And we had a choice. Are we gonna follow our friends or are we gonna follow the Lord? And I promise you guys, I would not be here if we had followed our friends. And so we said this, God put us here and God will take us out of here when that day comes. But God hasn't called us out, so we're gonna stay right here. And so we stayed 
Six months into that, uh, we're actually, we were coaches over all the married small groups. And we took our one group, turned it into three. And we just started growing. We just tried to grow it. Then they asked me to preach for the first time. And I was like, "Mm -mm, don't like that. Don't like that. (laughs) I draw the line right there. Um, But they're like, no, no, no. We we see that you could do that. And I'm like, oh God, oh, fine. Okay. Uh, And it was at a nursing home. And so I figured it's a captive audience. They're not going anywhere. (laughs) So uh, they were all asleep anyways. And I preached on healing. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, but I put 20 hours of prep into that thing. And I was like, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And so then I preached like one time, two time, three time at, at Fusion, Young Adult Ministry back then. And, uh, and then Victory had a ministry training school at the time. And so we stepped into that to continue growing ourselves. And then uh, I was like, maybe there's, there's a long-term future in this. And so I heard of an opening at a Korean Baptist church, like right down the road. And they needed somebody to come in and be their English speaking pastor, which is basically the youth pastor. And so I was like, hey, there's a difference in preaching every three months and preaching every week. So I'm gonna continue growing this. So I took the position. So I showed up, I came here on Saturday night service, which we're about to start again. And uh, then Sunday morning, I would roll into the Korean Baptist church and I would preach my socks off to like 15 Korean teenagers. And it was awesome. (laughs) And then one day I I was here preaching at Fusion in 2005 and I looked out and Pastor Dennis was out there and I was like, what's he doing here? And then he called a meeting with me and that week offered me the position to step in and be the Fusion Young Adult Pastor here, October 2005. Why? Because I guarantee you I was not ready on day one. But when you take your growth seriously and just continue walking through the doors that God opens, you'll be amazed at where God takes you. Luke 16, 10, we're told this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And that needs to become part of your spiritual DNA. That if I can be trusted with little, if I can be faithful with little, God will give me more. But everybody wants the more without the little. You'll never get the more if you don't start with the little. You'll never get the more unless you start with the little. Can you be faithful with little? And listen, we, we were faithful there in, in Fusion for six years. We took those opportunities to grow. So, so uh, then God sent us to launch Victory Hamilton Mill and we, we led that campus for 10 years. At the end of that, I felt like God saying, hey, you gotta keep on growing. And so I went back and got my master's degree. And then August, 2020, high to COVID, race rides and everything like that, we received the torch to be the senior pastors here at Victory. So how does somebody move from being a geography grad to a senior pastor? Just grow yourself. Never stop growing. Show up. Listen, when you're first getting started, half of it is just showing up. Half of it is just getting out of bed and walking into the room, right? Arrive early, stay late, right? Some of us are like, I don't know why they won't give me the promotion. Cause you come late and you leave early and then you're, all you're doing is checking Facebook the whole time. Ah, why won't they make me a manager? Because you're not growing yourself. Put in the work. Do it as unto the Lord. Grow yourself. Go to night school. Watch the YouTube training tutorials. Continue growing yourself. Serve in the church somewhere where you can grow your gift. Get a coach. Be a coach. Keep on growing. Develop yourself to the point that when the next opportunity arises, God says, hey, you weren't ready the first time. But you've taken the two that I've given you and you've grown it into four. And today I call your name. 
today I called your name. So how do we get ready when God calls our name? We gotta guard our potential. We gotta grow our potential. Third thing is this. At some point, guys, we have to release our potential. Remember, potential is something that has not happened yet. And what we have to do, we have to be committed to actually letting what God put in us get out of us for his glory in the world around us. All right, and, and I see this all the time. I, I, I see people that have been talking about their potential since they were teenagers. And now they're like 60. And they're like, one day. <laughs> one day, bro. <laughs> the problem is someday is not on the calendar. Someday's always out there. And you will someday your way into the grave. And, and there's a problem, guys, when our glory days are when we're like 16, 18. I remember those times with God when I was 20. Dude, you're 90. Like what? Where did the years go? And, and this quote, that I, this become part of who I am. Benjamin Disraeli says this. Most people die with the music still in them. And I don't know about you guys, I don't want to be the person who's lived 100% of my life and still has 50% of my potential left. Like, I I, I want to live this thing to the fullest. I want to to die with nothing left in me. I do not want to arrive safely at death. Come on, family. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to just kind of coast in and it's like, man, I never did anything dangerous, never took any risk, never did anything for God. But look at me, I'm 170. Come on, can we actually take some risk for Jesus? Can we actually take the step to let what God put in us out of us? Ephesians 4, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Family, you have received a calling. Live a life worthy of that calling. And I've seen way too many people who are paralyzed by the what if police. You know what I'm talking about? Like what if it doesn't work? And what if she says no? And what if this? And what if that? And what if that? Can we just take that? Can we deconstruct that for a second and change what if it doesn't work into what if it does work? Can instead of viewing everything through fear, can we actually start viewing things through faith? What if it does work? What if my, what if my foot really does find firm ground when I step out onto the water? Come on, what if they do say yes? What if, they do, what if God really does come through? Can we be a people who take risk again? And listen, if, if you don't know where to go from here, let me give you some super spiritual advice. I just gave it to the young adults on Tuesday. Just do something. Just do it. Everybody's like, paralysis by analysis. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm just sitting here waiting for God to speak. Just do something. Do something. And then God will steer you through passions. God will steer you through closed doors and open doors. He'll add acceleration as you start saying yes, as you start moving forward. Listen, and what you'll do is you'll find yourself in a place you never even imagined that you would be. But it has to start with the first step of saying yes. Just do something. Listen, when you see somebody sick, pray for them. Don't be like, well, I'll pray for you when I get home, brother. Pray for them. Say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Come on, start the podcast. Write the book. Draw the, the art. Take up dance. What, start the business. Whatever it is, apply for the promotion. Ask her out on a date, fellas. Oh, hi, hi. Oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. She's so cute. 
Come on. If y'all been together forever, put a ring on it. Come on. What are you doing? What are you doing? Take a risk. And listen, this ain't all on the fellas. Ladies, you gotta stop friend zoning everybody because they don't meet your completely ridiculous 78 point list that you've just mm, made a promise with God about. Put an envelope and put it in your drawer. Well, he's gotta be 6'8. He's gotta love Jesus, no kids, never sinned. And you're like, God, why won't you send me a man? He's like, I sent you dozens of men and your friends own all of them. Well, he's only 5'10. Mm, I don't think about that. Come on, ladies. Take a risk in the Lord. There's some things you don't compromise on. There's a lot of things you should. Some things you don't. Take a risk. Pray. I know some of us, you haven't prayed in forever because you're afraid of spending time with God. Take a risk. Pray. Pick up your Bible. Learn God's character. Learn the will of God. Get out of the boat. and You might just find yourself walking on water. Lead something. Take a risk again. And guys, listen, there are only two people who know when you pass up on opportunities. You and God. But there's only one who knows what would have happened if you had said yes? And how many revivals stopped before they even started? How many promotions were never given because the courage was never worked up to ask? How many people will not be born again because we will keep our mouth shut? And I love what C.S. Lewis says. This is so powerful. He says, the smallest good act today is the strategic point from which months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never even dreamed of. I'm gonna read it again. The smallest good act today is the strategic point from which months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never even dreamed of. In other words, how God just works is series of doors that as we say yes, God adds spiritual momentum it's not just one yes, it's a series of yeses. The smallest yes today, God can use and God can leverage for his glory and for your good and for the good of the world around you. But it begins with that small yes. God just wants your yes, guys. And listen, if you know what God is already calling you to do, just go do it. Just go do it. You don't gotta pray about it. You don't gotta pray about it. I'm just, I'm, I know it sounds completely unspiritual. Here's what I'm saying. A lot of us are like, God, what are you saying today? He's like, uh, same thing I said like three years ago. <laughs> like, no, 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 I want you to say something different. He's like, no, mm, kind of saying the same thing. <laughs> and so don't ask God to say something new when you didn't do what he said old. Like, so go back and do the thing he already called you to do. Walk through that door, give God your yes. And I guarantee you, you'll start realizing God starts talking a whole lot more because now he can trust you with his words. So go back and do the thing you already said. If you don't know what that is, let me give you a few ideas. And, and, and here's, here's, a, here's probably the biggest idea. I wanna challenge you this year to give God one year of saying yes, one step at a time. One year of just saying yes whenever God asks 
Whenever, whenever God opens up the door, you say yes to walk through that door. So for some of us, even today, all right, your first yes is to Jesus himself. You need to step out of darkness, step into light. You need to be born again. Uh, for some of us, you stalled out right there. Well, the next step after, after salvation is water baptism. That may be your next yes, okay? Um, and and uh, actually next weekend, next, uh, next Sunday, uh, we're actually launching small groups. That may be your next yes. Because here's the deal, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And a lot of us are, aren't growing in God because we're surrounded by people who aren't growing in God. And we need to actually have a community of people that we can lock arms with and, and live this thing out. Um, others of you, you need to get involved in your community. We have community transformation teams who are, who are always going out and doing things around here. All that's on connectivitory.com. Others of you, let me just say it like this. You've been safe for way too long to not be leading something. Way too long to not be leading something. And, and I know it's easy, kind of like in a big church, you like look around, you're like, oh, I guess they got everything covered. No, listen, you have a sphere of influence outside of here who needs to be led. And, and a lot of people are like, well, I just can't find a small group that I belong in. Well, start one. Start one. And then bring your sphere of influence in and lead them to Christ and make disciples. And be a witness everywhere you go. So you, you, some of you need to step into leadership here. Some of you need to step into leadership out there. Like, listen, guys, I, I'm not saying like day one, but I am saying like some of y'all have been saved for like four years, five years, 20 years, 50 years. <laughs> and you're like, oh God, I just want to be used. Not like that though. Not like that. Not like that. I just want <laughs> It's time to say yes. It's time to take a risk. Time to guard your potential. Grow your potential. And if it'll, then we'll practice going to release our potential, then I guarantee you the next time an opportunity arises, you will be ready when God calls your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Oh, Father, I feel this uh, just really loud even right now um, that, that some of us in here are first yes, right now needs to be to Jesus himself. And it's actually in Ephesians 1 that says that it's in Christ that we find out who we are and why we're living. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And so let me, let me just say this. If you came in here today and, and you're not born again, you don't know Christ, you're, you don't have faith in Christ, um, it makes perfect sense if your life feels disorganized, all over the place, like why am I alive, where am I going? Because Christ is that true north on the compass. And it's in Christ that we find out who we are and then what we're living for. And here's good news today, okay? <laughs> the door of salvation is still open. There is, there is coming a day when it will close, but today it is still open. Today's the day of salvation, today's the day of repentance. And God's inviting you today. And over the last few minutes, I know how God works as I've been talking. For some of you, God has kind of been drawing you in your soul. And that, that's truly God. That's not me. That's God. And so today, some of you need to step into faith in Jesus. Others of you need to kind of step back. I don't know what this last year looked like for you. It may have been an absolute mess. But God's inviting you back into this journey with Christ. And if that's you today, if you say, hey, uh, I need to come to Christ for the first time, or maybe I'm coming back to Christ, I just wanna invite you, just identify yourself before the Lord and say, God, that's me. God, that's me today. And you leave your hand up. I just wanna see who I'm talking to. Yeah, I see you. I see you, I see you. I see you. 
Yeah, I see you up there. I see you. Yeah, I see you guys up there. You can put your hands down. I love how the Lord works. Come on. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And um, family of faith around um, you guys. Here, here's, what, here's what I know. Like, our walk with Christ, in essence, at its core, is a very personal thing, but it's lived out in the context of community. And so family of God around you, we're about to pray with you. And so I invite you to pray like this. Let's pray. Say, Jesus, today, I say thank you for coming to earth, for living the perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins. You are God in the flesh and you rose again. So right now, I respond in faith. So I repent of my sin, my darkness, my condemnation, my wandering, and my death. I leave it behind and I step into the light. Break the darkness off of me as I put my faith in Christ. Jesus Christ is my King and my Savior and I give you my past and my present and my future. God is my father and I'm your child for the rest of my life all because of Jesus. Amen. And right now, I bless you in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that from this place, you would start doing this deep transformational work on the inside of us. And I've been feeling this. I've been feeling this for us this, this weekend is that some of us have kind of, in the, in the perception of the dream dying, we've kind of died with it. And it's time for a resurrection of sorts. It's, it's, it's time to understand that God is closing that last chapter to write a new chapter. And so God, here's what we do. We can make a commitment to actually start guarding what you've put on the inside of us. Some of us just simply need to repent for the sins that we've gotten ourselves into. We really can't set our hands to the next thing because our hands are so full of sin. And so God, today we repent of that sin. We repent means changing the way I think about it. I'm turning my back on it. I'm leaving it behind to step into what you have for me. And God, I'm gonna take my growth seriously. We need to pray this in our hearts. God, we're gonna take our growth seriously. And we're gonna start saying yes for this next year as to each door that you open to guard our potential, to grow it, and then to go and release it here inside the family of God in our gatherings, but especially in our scatterings as we go out into the world. God, I thank you that we are a sent people. We are loved people. And even today, in just a few minutes, we're gonna leave this place to go and be witnesses in our families, our communities, the cultures, and the nations. As the born again, expressing the greatness of God all around us, people of God, for your name and for your fame. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Let's give glory to God, come on.